You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. So typically, when a family, when a couple realizes that there's going to be a new addition in their home, they begin to plan for that new addition for that child. And in that planning process, one of the things that they begin to do pretty early on is to ask the question, well, what are we going to call him? What are we going to call her? Uh, They begin the the name game, so to speak. And so for many, as they begin that part of the preparation, some might go out to the bookstore. They might go to Barnes & Noble and buy a book filled with names uh, that tell the meaning of the names because they want to choose a name that has a strong meaning and not a strange meaning. Uh, And so they begin to just scour through the book and uh, look at names uh, maybe that they've thought of, but they just want to be sure. Others might begin to choose a name based on how it sounds when you speak it out. Does it have that ring to it? Maybe it's a name that uh, you've been thinking of uh, for a child since you were young and, and you just, you just want, you don't really care what it means. You just want to make sure it sounds good. Um, others might fall back on um, a strong family name. You want to make sure it's a strong, sturdy name. Um, others might uh, fall back on uh, choosing a name that's uh, a, a family member, uh, a favorite family member, a favorite fav- favorite friend. But in the end, what happens is, is a name is chosen and there's a, there's a name reveal. And so at some point they say, well, this is what we're going to call him. This is what we're going to call her. And a lot of time and effort goes into choosing a name uh, and rightly so because it's really important. Shakespeare asked the question, what's, what's in a name? And that was a good question because names are really important. I don't know if you realize this, but when you speak someone's name uh, or you even hear someone's name, there are a, a, a large variety of assumptions and thoughts and images that go through your mind based on the name of that person and what you know about that person. A name becomes uh, the way we identify uh, people. So let me ask you this morning, do you know what your name means? How many of you actually know, you've, you've done study research, what do you know what your name means? Raise your hand if you do. Some, some don't care. Uh, you just like, just, just don't call me a bad name. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about my name. Um, so you know me as Stan. Uh, my name is actually Stanley Marshall Wilson. Um, my name Stanley. Uh, it, uh, it actually means dweller in the stony place. I'm not really sure what my parents were thinking about. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where they were coming from. Maybe they were just in that group that just said it, it doesn't matter what it means. It just it sounded good to them. So Stanley, dweller in the stony place. My middle name is is Marshall. Marshall uh, comes from the name of a favored uncle of my mom, Uncle Marshall. She, she, she loved him. She cherished him. And so she liked the name. And so, again, Stanley Marshall Wilson. I have a confession to make. I've never been really fond of the name Stanley. It just never really rang with me that well. And, and uh, so when I was in college, first day of college, first day of classes... Uh, large class in Bible college, and uh, the professor said, I'm going to call your name, and uh, just make sure you're here, and uh, when I call your name, I'm also going to ask, what do you want to be called by? What do you want, what do you want me to call you? And so uh, he goes through the role, I'm W, so I'm always at the end, and um, he says, uh, Stanley Wilson, and immediately when he says, what do you want to be called by? I just said, Stan, 
And at that moment, I changed my name. In a sense, I changed my identity at that moment. So what's interesting is that anyone who knows me prior to that day will call me still to this day by Stanley. They identify me by Stanley. If you were to go to my hometown of Gaffney, South Carolina, and speak to any of my three brothers, they would say, they would call me Stanley. And you would think, who's that? And it would, be, it would be me. If my mom were still alive, she would call me Stanley. And I used to say she was the only one who was allowed to call me that. She gave me the name and I wasn't going to change her anyway. And so she called me Stanley till, till the day she died. But anyone who met me after that day, they identified me as Stan. That, that's how, and the point I'm making is our names uh, uh, become our identity. So let me ask you, how did you get your name? And obviously we don't have time for everybody in the room to answer that. But I wonder, do you know, how did you get your name? Um, uh, is your name based on a meaning? Is your, are you named after a historical figure? Are you named after a celebrity? Are you named after uh, um, a, a, a family member? Uh, how, how did you get your name? And along with that, let me ask, how many names do you have? How many, you know, typically, uh, not including nicknames, uh, but including our surname, typically a person has three, uh, sometimes four names. If you're a member of the royal family, you have about 50 names. I don't know how they keep up with that. Blah, 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 blah. But typically we have three and maybe sometimes four names. What's interesting is Jesus is the exception to that. When we read through Scripture, both Old and New Testament, we find that there are a variety, a multitude, a large number of names that describe who Jesus is. And so over this series, uh, we're going to look at Isaiah 9, 6. In fact, if you will take your Bibles and turn, open it up to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Um, uh, I'm going to read that to you in just a moment. But as we work through this passage throughout the month, we're going to focus on the four names of Jesus found in Isaiah 9, 6. Um, I was thinking about this, and I would imagine that when you meet someone for the first time um, and you learn their name, you probably, your first response in learning their name probably isn't, oh, what does your name mean? That's just not a common question. You, you just don't really think about that. You might think, wow, uh, that's a cool name. You might think, uh, that's a strong name or that's a pretty name. You might even think, wow, that's an odd name. But you don't, there's nothing that piques your uh, uh, curiosity to say, so what does your name mean? Instead, that name becomes a, a means, a method of identity. So again, Jesus needs to be the exception. When we consider the names of Jesus, it's important that we see his names as much more than just a way to identify him or to get his attention. So again, if I saw so Faye, I know your name. So Faye, when I call your name, I got your attention. Uh, I'm calling on you because probably I want something. And it, it, we don't want that to be how we only remember the name of Jesus. Jesus. And he said, oh, well, they want something again. Uh, but, but instead, we have to recognize that the names of Jesus define who he is. They declare who God is. They declare what Jesus is, what he's doing, what he's going to do. They, they, they're a declaration of who he is. And so it's important to understand the meaning behind the names of Jesus is to understand that Jesus is God's answer to a very serious problem. 
Jesus is God's answer to a very serious problem. And that problem is the sin problem that has plagued the world. It dates all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It originated with Adam and Eve. And unfortunately, it has continued to infect mankind, humanity, even to this day. But aren't we so thankful that God had a plan? God had a plan. God's plan. God's answer to the sin crisis of the world. Uh, his plan was to send his son, Jesus Christ, who would be miraculously born and who would sacrificially die so that a sin would be defeated and that life could be given to all who would believe and receive. Well, we can't deny the fact that uh, his birth was miraculous. And we can't deny the fact that his uh, death was sacrificial. And that's because it was all part uh, of God's plan. I think it's interesting when we think about it. Isaiah declared the birth of Jesus some 600 years before he was born. 600 years before Isaiah declared the birth of of Jesus. And not only did he declare the birth of Jesus, but when we look at Isaiah 9, 6, which we'll read in just a moment, we see, we see that he declared his names. And in declaring his names, he declared for us who Jesus would be and the provision that he would bring for humanity. Follow along as I read Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah declared that Jesus is the Wonderful Counselor. He declared that he is the Almighty God. He declared 600 years prior that he would be the Prince of Peace. And he declared that he would be uh, uh, the Everlasting Father. That's what he declared. And so today we're going to focus on the fact that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Speaking of counseling, over the past uh, 35 plus years of marriage and ministry, uh, Cami and I have had great opportunity to sit with countless numbers of couples and individuals, uh, walking them through, providing counsel for them in a very life-challenging situations. Sometimes the counseling focused on the marriage relationship. And sometimes the counseling would focus on um, a relationship between parent and child. And sometimes the counseling uh, would, would, would focus on helping someone, an individual or a couple, make a life-altering decision. And sometimes it was sitting with an individual or a couple, counseling them through, helping them with some very um, personal strongholds and struggles that they had in their life. But the, but the common thing in every one of those couples or individuals is that they all needed help. So with that, I'm not ashamed to admit that I've been on the other side too. As much as I've been a counselor, as we've been a counselor, I and we have sat on the other side. We've sat on the couch with a counselor talking to us because we or I or she was working through very challenging life situations. We needed someone to help us navigate circumstances and situations. We needed help that wasn't available within ourselves. 
And I am not in doubt in any way that many of you, if not all of you, are just like us. You've been on the other side too. And you've sat with a counselor. And you've sat with a counselor because life throws curveballs. And when I say counselor, I might not, it, may, it might not be a counselor that you had to go and pay. It could be a good friend, someone who would help you, who would walk you through it. But life throws us curveballs. And when these curveballs come, we all need help. Well, I'm thankful to say that I, I, God has provided in our lifetime so many Great godly counselors, both men and women. I think of Chuck Shoemaker, and I think of Don and Barbara Gage, and I think of Paul Kuzma. And I just think of all of the people in our lives. And I'm so thankful that God has provided those people. But I have to say, the greatest counselor that I've ever sat with is Jesus Christ. And the counselor that all of the other counselors that we sat with, they drew their resource from Jesus Christ. Because there's no other counselor like Jesus, our, our, our wonderful counselor. He counsels us like no one else can. Jesus, our wonderful counselor, helps us with the decisions of life and guides us through the challenges of life. And he does it like no other counselor can do. If we think about it, a counselor comes alongside of us and offers us understanding of knowledge, offers us wisdom, offers us insight. Well, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus comes alongside of us and he does for us what we can't do for ourselves. That's what we read about in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, it's necessary that I go away, but I'm going to send you a comforter or a counselor. And the, the, the phrasing, the, the word literally means it's, it's a, represent, a representative who will come alongside of you, comfort you, do for you what you're unable to do for yourself. So Jesus is our wonderful counselor. So I want to talk about, just for a few minutes, why is Jesus so worthy of this name, the wonderful counselor? Why is he so worthy of the name worthy, uh, wonderful counselor? Where to begin with, Jesus is not just any counselor. He's the wonderful counselor. It doesn't say his name shall be called counselor. It says wonderful counselor. When we think of wonderful, think about the, the, like we talk about the wonders of the world. Why do we call them wonders of the world? We call them that because they're unexplainable. They're unimaginable. How could it be? And so when we think about Jesus, the wonderful counselor, we have to think of him the same way. He's unexplainable. How could it be that there could be a counselor that could offer such godly wisdom and counsel? It's because he's the, he's the son of God. The literal translation of his name is he is a wonder of a counselor. He is a wonder of a counselor. And if we think about it, literally everything about Jesus is wonderful. His birth is wonderful. Uh, his uh, works are wonderful. His words are wonderful. His life is wonderful. His death is wonderful. His resurrection is wonderful. His ascension is wonderful. Uh, the fact that he intercedes for us is wonderful. The fact that he's coming back for us again one day is wonderful. Everything that we can imagine about Jesus is wonderful. And I would say to all of us this morning, if we stop and we consider all these things about Jesus and we're not filled with awe and wonder 
then I would say we need to stop and ask a question. And the question is, what's wrong with me? What's missing? Why don't I feel a sense of wonder when I recognize just who Jesus is? And then if we find ourselves in that place, we pray and we say, God, fill me with the awe and wonder of who you are and who your son Jesus is. Um, Jesus is worthy uh, of the name Wonderful Counselor because when you and I are anxious and tired, Jesus brings us comfort and rest. When you and I are anxious and tired, Jesus brings us comfort and rest. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 11? Matthew chapter 11. Let's look at verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, I think you're probably like me. When I'm anxious and tired, my ability to make decisions kind of goes out the door. I lose all sense of logic. I just can't Think through things the way I should be able to. So I love the invitation that Jesus gives in this verse, this verse because he says, uh, when you're uh, worn out, when you're burned out, when you're at the end of your rope and you don't know what to do, come to me and I'll counsel you. I'll show you the way. I'll take away the anxiety. I'll give you rest. I'll counsel you as your wonderful counselor. Uh, I was curious this week, um, and I asked a question on social media, which I'll do from time to time, and I asked for a response. And I asked people to just uh, tell me. The question was, what does it mean to know Jesus as wonderful counselor? And I got some great responses, and I want to read a portion of them to you. These are some of the responses. What does it mean to know Jesus as wonderful counselor? And the reason I did this is I wanted to see how we're living this out Every day in our life. Not just a sermon, but how are we practically experiencing Jesus. And so someone said, when I take the time to hear his still small voice, he offers his counsel. Most times he reminds me to be still and know that he is God. Another person said, he hears me out and helps me to discover my ability to live out being made whole by him. Someone said, when this world gets too loud... The wonder of being quiet and waiting patiently, patiently for the counselor's voice is how I experience Jesus as the wonderful counselor. Another said, wonderful counselor to me means he is there for me, keeping me on the right path to comfort when needed, to encourage when needed, to correct me when needed. Anytime I've strayed away from his counsel and tried it on my own, I've failed. He is there to counsel us through life. And finally, someone said, Jesus says to me, tell me how that makes you feel. I thought that, that's pretty interesting. That, that sitting with the wonderful counselor uh, and, and, and Jesus would actually enter into conversation with us. So he wants to guide us, but he wants to, he wants to help us discover what's going on. So tell me how that makes you feel. So I, I thought those responses were very interesting. Um, 
moving on. Jesus is worthy of the name Wonderful Counselor because he's our supernatural counselor. He's our supernatural counselor. He guides us with supernatural wisdom and he gives us supernatural insight and supernatural understanding. In other words, it's different than just counsel or advice that comes from another person, but it's supernatural in its origin. Also, he advises us about what's wrong and about what's right. Would you look in your Bibles? Would you turn to Psalm uh, chapter 32? Psalm chapter 32. I have to tell you what I did in the last uh, uh, thing. I, I told everybody to turn to Psalm 32, but I turned to Job 32. And I just made a comment. I said, Zup, you probably don't want me to read to you from Job. But two people in the service, uh, Marty, Ryan was here, and then Lisa. And they said, well, we looked at it, and it actually works. So read Job 32. Eight when you go. But here's what it says in, jo- in Psalm 32.8. Um, so remember, he gives us supernatural wisdom and instruction. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. So the next time that you say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to make this decision. Go to Psalm 32.8 and be reminded that Jesus will counsel us and instruct us. We can count on this. There's a promise that we will receive counsel and instruction from him. And we can trust that because Jesus always follows through on his promise. Let me read just a few more of these social media responses. There were a few that I thought really fit this whole thought of Jesus being a supernatural counselor. One person said, for me, the counselor part of God is most connected to the privilege I have of laying the mess of life at his feet. It is a gift to be able to put down that load. Afterward, his counsel will come to me when I am quiet and really listening. There have been many times in my life that I've received very clear answers about what to do. Other times, the answer is more subtle. All of a sudden, I will notice something that I have been conflicted about will be resolved by a new feeling about which way to turn. A good counselor sticks with you no matter what and teaches you tools to use when you get the, when the going gets tough. That's God all the way. That's supernatural. What this person is talking about is supernatural counsel that comes from God. Someone else said, he's the one I go to when I need wisdom, support, and guidance. There are times when I have relied on my own counsel and faced anxiety and double-mindedness. But the times I have sought him, I have found peace in decisions even when the answer from an earthly perspective wasn't clear. It's because Jesus gives supernatural wisdom and insight when we ask him. And finally, someone said, a counselor is a confidant, a source of wisdom and knowledge In some cases, a legal representative. To know him is the biggest blessing ever. Where would I be without him? He's my encourager, dispensing wisdom. For me, my wonderful counselor speaks his wisdom and direction to me, helps me get onto the right path with words of encouragement or rebuke when needed. And it's all supernatural. It's not just from a human perspective, but it's supernatural wisdom and insight and understanding that comes from God. And um, Jesus, uh, 
it's worthy of the wonderful, uh, what his, the wonderful name Wonderful Counselor because not only are we a people who are looking for advice, but we are a, a people in need of an advocate going before the Father on our behalf, speaking to the Father for us. And that's what we find in Jesus. Jesus, our wonderful counselor, is our advocate. There's another passage of Scripture I'd like for you to turn to. It's in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. I'll let you get there. It says... Still pages turning. It says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So not only are we prone to sin, but we do sin. And when we sin, uh, Jesus is, is there with the Father. And he's, he's advocating for us. And he's advocating through his blood. So when, when God the Father looks at us, he looks at us through the blood of Jesus and he sees us in right standing before him. And not only is he our advocate, but uh, he's like a defense attorney for us. He, 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 he's defending us against the accusations of our adversary. Remember last week when we closed out uh, Ephesians, we said, we have an adversary. And this adversary uh, has tailor-made schemes, uh, tailor-made based on our weaknesses and the things that lead us to sin. And, and this adversary is continually accusing us, trying to get us to doubt God, trying to get us to lose hope. And so we have an advocate uh, against this adversary but our advocate is also our adversary is also before the father trying to convince the father that you and I are not worthy of our salvation and Jesus is there defending us before the father uh, here's the great news God's not listening to our adversary God's listening to our advocate uh, one other scripture I want you to turn to. Would you turn to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 33 and 34 to you. It says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So what we learn from that verse, that Jesus Christ, rather than condemning us, has condemned sin. And he's before the Father interceding on our behalf. And the Father is listening to our advocate. Here finally, Jesus is worthy of the name Wonderful Counselor because we can depend on him. He's always present to help us. We can depend on him. He's always present to help us. Uh, I'm not going to have you turn there, but in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6, we're reminded that he'll, Jesus will never leave us. He'll never forsake us and that he's always there to help us so we don't have to be afraid. Listen, we have a counselor who is continually walking with us. 
We don't have to worry if he's going to turn his back on us. We don't have to worry if he's not going to show up one day. But we have someone walking with us, our wonderful counselor, who is always there helping us. So because he's there, you and I don't have to be afraid in any situation. We have the wonderful counselor with us. So the Bible makes it clear that we have this wonderful counselor. But um, uh, how, how do we receive his counsel? And it's real simple. And it's there in your notes. How do we receive this counsel? Well, uh, he counsels us through prayer. We have to be men and women who are men and women of prayer. We got to talk to God so he can talk back to us and give us the counsel. He counsels us through the Holy Spirit. We have to be still and listen. And when we do that, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaks to us and directs us and guides us. He counsels us through his word. I talked about this last week. We cannot afford to neglect the word. This needs to be our steady diet. We need to read the word. We need to study the word. We need to apply the word. We need to live it out. We need to allow it to be our reservoir so that when we don't know what to do, we can receive uh, counsel from our wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. In life, we're going to face a multitude of decisions and a multitude of challenges. You can all testify that. Probably this week, you've faced a multitude of challenges of some kind. Um, Here's what we know to be true. Um, We can have full assurance that we have a counselor who is working for our good. And that counselor is Jesus Christ, our wonderful counselor. He'll never, ever, ever let us down. We just have to recognize and call on him as the wonderful counselor. Would you stand? I want to pray for us. Father, thank you that you had a plan for our sin problem. Thank you that that plan was Jesus, that Jesus was the solution. He still is the solution today. Thank you, Jesus, that you were miraculously born, that you sacrificially died so that uh, sin would be defeated and that life would be made available to all who would believe and receive. I pray that we be a people who believe and receive. And I pray that we experience you in a fresh way, recognizing that you are our wonderful counselor. Thank you, God. Thank you because you never leave us, you never forsake us. So we offer ourselves to you today and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.